You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant, and I'm recording this show in October of 2019. And October, as you may or may not know, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in the developed world and in the third world, just, just globally, with over 200,000 cases each year in the U.S. alone. Now, men can get breast cancer. It's very rare. Less than 1% of all breast cancer cases develop in men, and only one in a 1,000 men will ever be diagnosed with breast cancer. But it's kind of recently in the news because Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles, recently revealed that he has breast cancer. But today's show is about how breast cancer can impact a man's life, how a man can support a woman dealing with breast cancer. And we've got a returning guest. Um, he was on the show, let me see, uh, over a year ago. And yeah, so, and you're talking about uh, postnatal depression. And it was another, uh, something that I didn't know about for men. And so I saw something on Facebook that, that Darren had shared. And I wanted to have him on this time. And again, you're kind of my go-to guy for, for things most men aren't talking about or experience, perhaps. <laughs> But uh, let, let's get the official, uh, everything official here. So Darren's a communication consultant and creator of Keyhole Leadership, leading with curiosity, courage, and compassion. He's a father to an amazing three-year-old girl. And I've seen pictures. She is amazing. Uh, <laughs> a mental health advocate and author. So welcome back to the show, Darren. Hello. It's so good to be back again. I love it. Awesome. So we really want to, I want to get right into it. How I discovered that, that breast cancer was affecting your life was you had shared a post and I wouldn't say who from. You would share a post of someone you care about. And <laughs> okay. so why don't we start? Like, how, how has breast cancer shown up in, in your life? Uh, it showed up in, within the last year with my ex-wife, who was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. She, was, she got a rare kind called inflammatory breast cancer, which apparently it's more common in people over 50, usually, usually African-American women. Um, and usually, I think you tend to be a little bit more on the obese sides. Uh, that's, who, that's kind of his target market, for want of a better word. And she was like a 31-year-old you know, um, girl, basically, a young woman. And she got it. And it, it's a little bit harder to detect. Like, we're all trained. Like, oh, look for, look for you know, um, uh, bumps or whatever. Right. And, and, and it, doesn't, it didn't show up in that way. It was like you'd have to check it. But it was more, it just kind of went a bit harder and maybe a little bit mottled. But, you know, Boobs change so much, <laughs> depending on like time of the month and stuff. It can be hard to, to spot that there was something real or something you have to investigate. Thankfully, she's very paranoid, so she went to the doctors very very quickly, um, yeah. and and that's how, that's how it began. And we and we had we'd got um, we'd separated. I think we'd been separated for a year, and we were going through the motions of getting divorced. And then the breast cancer arrived. Uh, and and. So, so how did how did that impact the the divorce? Did it? Well, to to a certain extent, it it certainly confused matters <laughs> because you we we were getting on okay anyway. Like we'd both done a lot of work with communication anyway. We'd both done a lot of kind of um, counselors. We would seen counselors as well. Um, I, I, I'm a communication specialist, so, so I've been we've been communicating very effectively during this whole period. And then the cancer hits, and it's really hard to 
not slip back into a relationship mm. because because you just want you just want to hug each other, right? And and you you know it, you you want to be that caring thing. So what ends up happening is some really childish emotions come up, like particularly ego kind of comes up because you know I, I'm the ex husband. It's not like I I should be going to the doctors with her or going to um, screenings or scans or chemotherapy or whatever. You know that's not my job anymore. <laughs> it's like that's you know her parents they deal with that, but she's still the mother of our of my daughter you know we're co-parents so all of a sudden ego kicks in and i actually said this so i did say it say it tongue-in-cheek because i'm aware this is a really stupid thing to say but i'm also aware that the thought occurred to me and i remember saying to my friends do you know what emily's cancer and chemotherapy is having a really negative impact on my life <laughs> it's like <laughs> so how is this going to impact me and it, it's kind of like being sent straight to the front line it, it, i'm I'm a pretty hands-on dad. Like we have our daughter, I have my daughter two, two, three times a week. And there's some crossover times when we're, when we're all together. But then it, it's, and, and I may think I do a lot. Like I'm a very good dad. But then you think of a future where the, the other parent isn't there. And that's a whole different ballgame. Like you suddenly realize just how little work I'm doing and, and, and how my entire life Again, ego, right? how my entire life will change. And would I have to quit my job? Would, we, would I have to move in with like parents or something? Because I'd be the sole parent. And how am I going to do with that? And that means I've got to sort out schools. And, and how do you do that? And all this stuff that uh, uh, Emily deals with anyway. So, yeah, there's a definite hit to ego and a definite struggle in finding what my place was. But because we were divorced, uh, I realized that my role, I, I, I'm a bit of a, a hero's journey junkie, moving yeah. junkies. It's one of my jobs as I teach film. But my role is to be the cavalry, right? So it's not, like if I was in the trenches every day, like, like battling the cancer with her, then I'm going to get dragged down it, into it and my energy is going to get depleted. I'm very stressed. Thankfully, I've got my own apartment. So I've got like my own back cave. I've got like Wayne Manor here. So I get to leave and come home recharge, live in like a different, a different world pretty much. So when I go back, when I go back into, like to, to meet Emily and look after our daughter, I, I basically see myself as, uh, like in Moose X 300, I think the Spartans are kind of fighting and then the Greeks charge up to help them and it's like an ambush. And the voiceover is like, they were well-meaning amateurs, but they did their bit in distracting the enemy, giving us time to regroup. That's, that's my role. Like I go in, well-meaning amateur, <laughs> like, just to alleviate the, the stress and bring some new energy and new light and, and like, uh, hopefully um, they're happy to see me. <laughs> that was a long answer to that question, but yeah. And, and uh, I, I want to make it clear that, that you checked with Emily. She knows we're talking about this and... Yeah, she's yeah. so... She's not... We, we kind of live in different world she's very much kind of what i would call in the matrix and she's she's all very organized and and structured and i'm a little bit more like entrepreneurial all over the place so she's not that big on being visible and she doesn't like too much of her life being shared until this happened and then she just uh, like you know the, the post she shared recently was her basically she just had surgery she's had the double mastectomy she had both boobs removed and, and because it's Breast Cancer Awareness, Awareness Month, she's seen posts saying things like, oh, we've got to save the boobies, you've got to save the breasts. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not about the boobs. <laughs> Let's save the woman. <laughs> like, 
and and so she started to be much more open about it because also she wants to show our daughter that your your beauty has nothing to do with you know your boobs and in the uk certainly we have a very weird relationship with boobs and from what i can see with america you guys are the same like breastfeeding in public is a battle it's like boobs are seen as sexual first and then um kind of biological second so yeah i i checked with her and i was like i've been asked on the podcast this is what i'm going to talk about and she was like yeah that's fine cool do you do you know i I don't know how you could know so this this is a really bizarre question um (laughs) but if you were married would her decision to have a double mastectomy would 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 you have been part of that would that have like how would that have kicked your ego around Oh, that's it. Well, that's a really, really good question. And I've had to, I've, I've had to do some work with that. You know, I've had to really, you know, when you've got thoughts or, or I guess thought patterns that might be decades old um, and like boobs are one of the things that gets, that probably gets most associated with our teenage self. <laughs> like the first time you see boobies, it's like, and it's, it can be hard to shape that. Um, that had been changing. I think it had been, it, it's easier because I've had a kid. So I, I, I had to go through that phase of like, okay, they're now my daughters. Like <laughs> that's, that's her lunch and her dinner. <laughs> and so it does slightly change. But I, I do understand what you're saying. And um, that's, we had a lot of conversations about that in terms of what, what, what defines beauty. And um, I know Emily's working through this idea of like, well, is she attractive anymore? And, you know, she's, she's had chemotherapy, her hair's fallen out of sight. It's probably a little short on the mind right now. And, and she doesn't have views. And also coming straight out of a divorce, it's, um, you know, she was expecting to be dating and having fun and, and like meeting guys. So that's wobbled her, her confidence, certainly. And so for, I know it's a, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of working out what I think about this. I don't think it would have impacted me at all. I, I think if we were still married, I, I don't think, I, I think I've done the work that I don't feel like, so I have ownership over her body. I don't think I would have been any less proud or like, um, like in terms of that idea of having a trophy kind of walking next to you. I, I, I think we'd gone past that point. If anything, I now look at her. I'm almost, in fact, I am intimidated by her. I'm intimidated just by her strength. I, I'm one of those guys who thinks women are stronger than men anyway. Like, I watched her give birth to our kids. Like, there's a freaking horror movie that I, I, I actually got PTSD from and then had a vasectomy, so I won't ever have to see that again. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, I, I think... Um, Whenever I see her and we talk about it, I'm like, you're just badass. Like for Halloween, she's talking about dressing up as Furiosa from Mad Max, you know? And there are a lot of powerful, powerful women. It's almost like a warrior female archetype mm-hmm. where they are more flat-chested and they've got short hair, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Sigourney Weaver in, in like Alien 3. She has Charlie Steron, um, Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. It's a cool look. And I, I, just, I see it purely that, yeah, she's a warrior woman. She's been through... A battle and and her scars are, are a symbol of that and did did you have this vision of of her strength and this warrior attitude around her before the cancer or is this really something new it's something it's something new um and it, it overlaps so one of the things i kind of brought to the party is i've been very curious about the world and i just i love I just love everything. I just, I, I don't take anything for granted anymore. So if someone's like, oh, let's do like Reiki, I'm like, I have no idea. Let's find out. Is that a thing? Like, I, I'm just eager to explore. And so I've been doing 
being much more mindful, I suppose, than doing meditation. So um, I, I genuinely thought the part of the cancer came because of the negativity of our relationship. So I had to deal with that idea that I, I caused that cancer by being very, very depressed after our daughter was born and putting her through a lot of pain, like uh, psychological and, and emotional pain. And as soon as we found out, I was like, this is going to go away because we're separated now and you've got this amazing house and the future's bright. Like you're out of prison. You're out of the prison of our relationship. And then when the divorce papers came through, I was like, look, it's done. Like the weight's falling off our shoulders. Like all this administration of stress, like we're, we're separate. And now we're, we're kind of, we're basically co-parents. We're like, a, the way I like to describe it is like we were in, we were superheroes, like in Justice League or, or the Avengers. And now we've gone solo but we'll come together for the big battles. That's the way I look at it. So I, whenever I would walk in and just be like, you're looking amazing. Like you're surrounding in white light. Like I can see it. You're just surrounding in white light. And I would say things like, uh, when the chemo is being injected into you, I want you to not think about this poison that's going to hurt you. I want you to think of it as like a white light or a golden light, a liquid that's going into your arm and it's flushing the cancer out. And I was like, you breathe in white light, you're breathing out the cancer. And I would just keep doing things like that to, um, to empower her. And, and as I focused, as I could see that white light around her, even though she was now going through cancer, she was returning to the powerful woman I knew when we first got married before I got depression and kind of dragged it through, through my hell. Um, and that's, that was the warrior woman. I, I mean, I was always deeply in, impressed and attracted to her anyway. Obviously, that's why I married her. She's very, very funny and, and strong. And, um, um, but yes, uh, it, it's got more so because of the cancer. Hmm. How, how did she respond to your discussion about the possibility that, that your negativity you know, created this in her. She is, she just cares for everyone around her. So she was just immediately like, Oh, but then that would mean you're to blame. And I don't want you to feel like you're to blame. And I was like, it's, you know, I, I was depressed. I'm not, uh, I have that complicated relationship that we all do when you've had, when you've had depression in that, you know, the things you said and did aren't your fault, but you still got to take responsibility for them. <laughs> and, um, so, I, so she was she was just and she doesn't she doesn't fully believe me right <laughs> so she's just like oh no that's silly i was like well okay let's look at it this way because our relationship was toxic for a while your immune system went down that without a doubt would allow a, a cancer or disease to spread now you're out and you're happier and you, you know you're building this wonderful life your immune system is increasing. Like your body is stronger now than it was. Like, even though, and that just makes sense to me. Even if you avoid the energy woo-woo stuff, it's like uh, there's still there's still value there. Did doctors advise her to do the double mastectomy? Was that a personal choice to make sure this didn't happen again, or how did that? Oh, uh, yeah, they were. Um, they did not advise her to do the double mastectomy. They wanted her to just remove the one boob that had the cancer in it. And, and they also very much wanted her to have reconstructive surgery. But there was, a, there was an issue with the particular type of cancer it was. I think there was more chance it was going to return and go to the other view. Hmm. Um, and so she had to talk to medical professionals. She had to go to a psychologist. And there was a lot of pressure on her. And it felt like it was, like she wouldn't, I don't know if it was into the mouth, but it felt like the narrative was, was like, you aren't 
going to feel okay if you have a, a double mastectomy. Like you, you're not going to feel like a woman or, or something like that. And it just felt, it, it, it wasn't for her. Uh, we, we actually know people who, who uh, have had like reconstruction and, and or only had uh, like one boob removed and that's fine you know, everyone's decision is, is you know you do the best you can with the information you've got in the moment but for Emily it was just like no it, it was um, she just wanted them gone because they're trying mm. to kill her right mm. <laughs> like, mm. um, and can you can you it's almost like a like an anchor it would be a continual reminder of a horrible horrible experience yeah. so they're gone so I just want to make sure I've got this. So you were not, you were already, you were separated, but not divorced when she was first yes, diagnosed. Absolutely. Right. And, 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 and so how, how long is the, what, when was the diagnosis? Like how long? Uh, I knew you going to ask that as soon as we started. And I was just like, when did that? Cause it's gene, it's been like a blur. Yeah, I, I, I think it was early this year. Okay. We've done, we've done six months of chemotherapy. So that would have taken a few months to organize. Or I'm, I'm hoping it wasn't, before Christmas, because it kind of would have wrecked Christmas. But yeah, it's certainly within the last year. And and you said this is a very rare type, so I imagine yeah. then this isn't something that's been running in her family. It's something she was on the lookout for at all. No, I, I think we, they have had cancer in, in the family. Um, but And she'd had, oh, it's getting technical now. And I know <laughs> I'm a stereotypical guy and I don't always listen to the things I'm supposed to. <laughs> but she's had, um, like, cysts, I call that. She's always had, um, like, kind of lumps. And so we've been aware of that and monitoring that. And so it was kind of on our radar. But um, still not, still, you still think, oh, it's not going to happen to us. And, but she did catch it. Like, the horrible thing with inflammatory breast cancer is usually you only identify it when it's at stage four. So when it's like a really horrendous, almost no going back stage. Um, and they'd caught it just before stage four, I think. And because she was young, um, younger than people normally get it, the, the medical professionals were basically were like, look, you're young, your body is strong. We are going to throw every single thing we've got at this. You know, it's going to hurt a lot, but your body can take it. And so, you know, her odds were, were pretty good. And, you know, when someone says, well, when, when you know, she says that chemotherapy, chemotherapy is the worst thing that she's felt and she's given birth and, you know, has bad period pains, all the, all the things women experience that are painful that guys don't, I pay attention. <laughs> but then that's a, another tricky plan. You're probably going to get people messaging you. But the, the other way I saw my role Okay, here's a really horrible thing that I thought, but that doesn't mean it's true because I challenged it when I thought it. But when we, we were talking about, you know, how bad cancer is, and she was like, you know, this is like the worst thing ever, whatever. I was like, okay, cool, cool. It's like, depression's pretty bad. <laughs> and it was like, so what's worse, like cancer or depression? And you shouldn't, I'm not sure you, it isn't a competition, but I still think you're allowed to talk about that. And I think um, where, with cancer, which is horrific, I wish we weren't going through it, but people rally around, they want to help you. You can go on runs and wear pink ribbons. With depression, you, you, you're invisible. Uh, you kind of get pushed to the side. And I was kind of aware of this, not in an eager kind of way, but I was watching being like, okay, she's got cancer. I am freaking Batman hunting the Joker. Like, we are not getting depression. Like, I'm Batman, the depression is Joker, 
she is not getting taken down. Like it's not getting me and her <laughs> because cancer plus depression. It's like I had to keep hope alive, um, and so I try to be my best self. I actually gave up alcohol for while she was having chemotherapy because I I knew I never wanted to be groggy um, or kind of not fully fully there. I wanted her to know that if she woke up midnight because her daughter was crying or sick, she could just text, and I'd get in the car and I'd come. Like, um, so yes, I, uh, it, it was watching, like, I guess because I'm more, more experienced with depression, I just, um, I knew she could deal with it if we could keep her mental health okay. Yeah, right. And that seemed like your best avenue to supporting her mental health was to yeah. focus on maintaining your mental health. Yeah, also particularly because I'd, I'd only had to do it for short periods, right? So I, I might go for like a day or I'd cover for a weekend, like cover, that's a horrible like father term, but you know, I, I'd, take le- I'd, I'd take lead parenting duties for like a day or, or like a, a weekend or whatever. So yeah, it, it was, I, and I knew that. Like it, it's, uh, um, which is a big, it's a hard thing to do. It, again, like ego, it's, you, you've got to step up and I, it stages. I think one of the reasons I got postnatal depression is I wasn't prepared for fatherhood and it was just too hard and scary and, and not about me or whatever. And then, and I thought I'd stepped up. I, you know, I, I'd gone from here to here. So, oh, I'm being a good dad now. But then it's a whole other challenge. You say, no, no, you've got to sacrifice way freaking more than you do. Like you think you've sacrificed, but there's more you can do. And alcohol was one of them. Um, and again, looking after myself and, because even minor things, like you, there's so many things to think about like this but if i get a cold and she's having chemotherapy like she cannot her immune system is so on the floor she cannot get an infection like she will go to hospital from a cold so i cannot have anything because that means then i can't look after my daughter or i can't help because then if i infect our daughter with it just simple something like a cold then it it just grows and grows and grows so it's the biggest thing i think we've gone through when it's probably the biggest thing I've, I've had to like sacrifice for. And uh, I'm saying sacrifice with you know, quotation marks because it shouldn't be a sacrifice, but, um, uh, and I don't feel bad for it. I don't want praise for it. Like there's nothing like that, hmm. but yeah, it, it, it's, it's just, it, another way. It's another it, step. Oh. Yeah. It, it's one of the ways you supported her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, as someone that's dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts, I definitely get what you're saying and it, it's not a competition. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't walk around like, hi, I have physical illness. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't. So, <laughs> we don't, no one, that, that's not a label. That's, there's not a stigma about it. But yeah, okay. um, if, if you're battling with, with mental illness, depression, anxiety, anything like that, you know, people want to support you, but it isn't rally the troops. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's just, it's, Oh, yeah, I was going to say it's more difficult to support, and it's at least yeah. it's different ways to support. And so, yeah. and 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 it feels like there's no, you don't know the way out. Um, at least with cancer, you you put you you have professionals, and they they give you a treatment plan, and say, okay, you're going to go for whatever it is, a year, ten years potentially. You're going to have this treatment. We're going to get you better. So cool. With depression, it's like, okay, we're going to try this, uh, but this is going to give you these really bad side effects. And so we're going to try this. And for me, I, I learn stuff all the time because I, 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 I'm talking about movies a lot, Andy. This is insane. But I, I treat depression like the Borg. Like it just 
it adapts and comes back in a different way. And I'll throw like um, CBT at it and I'm ha, got you on the run. And then it'll find its way through. And it's like, okay, let's get some NLP at it. And then it'll just transform um, and assimilate and then it'll come after me. So now I'm trying EFT. And it depending on what guys it kind of turns up in, I need more tools. I just, I'm just always adding to my utility belt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's, well, that, that's your resilience. Yeah. Yeah, which is, again, fantastic. And I, I don't think whatever any human being is facing, you can't have enough resilience. Like, the, you can't have too much. So yeah. so, so good on you for that. Um, was there anything that she asked for, any way to support her that you didn't want to do? Or because you were divorced, like, you know, I, I'm, I can't be that role. Like, did, were there any kind of borders you had to create? Boundaries, no, rather. No, not at all. We, uh, I was really open. Um, I would, I would say things, so something that regularly would come up in our relationship anyways, is I would say, is there anything I'm doing that you want me to stop? Is there anything I'm not doing that you want me to start? And is there anything I'm doing or not doing that you want me to do more or less of? And that's a fairly common like, statement I would make. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, basically we would throw, I would throw everything out and she would as well. Like, it would be like, do you want me to stop like dating? Do you just want me to... Because I'll, I'll just stop. <laughs> like, and, and we have a discussion about it and whether it's the right thing to do or not. Um, other than that, no, it was, everything was on the table. We, we, there were times when, you know, obviously emotions were high, but we were just, you just got to be like, open and, and, and honest all the time. Yeah. And, and thankfully, it, it's a really interesting thing because this is another blase. I'm going to get into so much trouble. But sometimes there's kind of benefits from having bad mental health. And I think if I hadn't got depression when our daughter had been born, I wouldn't have done the inner work. I wouldn't have studied ego. I wouldn't have read books like, you know, Ryan Holiday's, like The Ego is the Enemy, The, the, um, the Obstacle is the Way. I w I'm an NLP practitioner. You know, I've done so much training and my emotional intelligence is, is at an all-time high. I, I know tons about leadership. If I hadn't done all that work, we wouldn't be going through this as, as well as we are. And, you know, if she had to get it, the, the timing was actually pretty good. <laughs> if, if it happened when, when I hadn't done this training, then it would have, it would have been horrific. I, I wasn't, I just wasn't strong enough. Yeah. So I've, Trying to think of, yeah, I've met a few people that say this and I've heard more stories, but I do have some personal experience with people that got cancer and once they beat it, it's like, that was the best thing that happened to me. Like it made them wake up and live life and appreciate yes. things more. So is, is that anything that Emily has shared? Anything like that? Yeah, she said that a few times um, because the, the worst thing for her is this idea that she wouldn't see her daughter grow up and, and, and she would get frustrated when people... Uh, again, this is this is her, you know, her being honest and a little bit of perhaps ego, but she's she would say she, if she sees people complain that their back hurts because they're getting old, oh, I'm getting old, my back hurts. She'd be like, uh huh, uh huh. Great to be getting old though, isn't it? <laughs> it's like so we we take things for granted, and she is. It has changed her perspective. She's so freaking grateful, and uh, she was always kind of. Um, like a holiday fanatic, but now she's just inventing holidays because she just wants to have so much celebration in her life. So she was always mad about Christmas, but now she's doing, um, obviously her Halloween, but she's doing, um, I also wanted summer called Samhain or, or something. Um, 
like a longest day of summer she'll celebrate. She's now decided she's going to celebrate New Year's, um, as in she's going to keep the Christmas tree up, and now it's a New Year's tree. So she's got different decorations for the tree, so she can keep that up longer. Um, yeah, she's just she's embracing life and and um, yeah, and, and enjoying every day. Cool. Now I I know there are some like DNA tests that that you can get and tell you you're predisposed to diseases or not. Yeah. Is that something that you would ever talk to, advise, recommend to your daughter? Oh, that's interesting. That's a really interesting question, Andy, because that's, I, I, I now see that on like the two sides of the coin, because yeah. if she's prone to cancer, then yeah, that might be an idea. But then you worry about kind of insurances and stuff like that. Will she be able to get insurance if it comes back that she's like high percentage of cancer? But I've always thought that in terms of, of mental health because you know if a parent has struggles with mental health then the child might as well and i was particularly thinking again i i don't think we always know that much about how our brain works but when i was reading about it it has more to do with serotonin levels which i don't think is necessarily true but if she's born with a deficiency of serotonin and that's a cause of depression then i would want her to maybe be tested but i think we, I think we're, I think rather than doing that, we're just going to have a environment where we actively check on our bodies and minds regularly. So if this feels like there's something wrong with your body, go to the doctor. If it feels like there's something wrong with your mind, let's address it. it I think it's self-awareness is going to be key. Um, but then I haven't done any of those tests. I, and we, I think it is just the whole conspiracy theory kind of matrix thing. I just, yeah. Um, and what, you, what are you going to do? Like, if it comes back and said, you've got a high percentage chance of cancer. cancer. It's all right. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, what is it? One in, it's like one in two of us or something now? Like, the odds of somebody getting cancer are, are really high. Like, the odds are, sadly, we're probably going to be affected at some point. Um, so I'm not sure what prior knowledge would do to help me. Yeah. Yeah, I've, 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 I've always wondered that. Um, for people that I do know people that have taken those and talk about them and stress the importance and recommend it to their children. But yeah, to, to yeah. What's like, Oh, thanks for this gift of something else to worry about. What, yeah, what totally. am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd rather focus on your health and um, cause again, r- risk factors don't mean you'll get anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a and, factor. And it's, it's too like ethereal. It's too kind of out there. It's too, like it, it's not concrete. And we, we, as human beings, we're terrible at thinking long term. So like you could say, you know, you've got a really good ch- high chance of getting cancer, particularly if you keep eating red meat. Okay, cool, cool. I'm still going to eat red meat. <laughs> it's like I'm not going to – I know I'm unlikely to change my habits until I see, like, real evidence. Um, because you always just – we have that setting. Well, oh, I won't be me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure even if they said, oh, I've got a high chance of whatever – that I would necessarily change my habits that much until I got scared mm-hmm. until something happened. <laughs> so I wonder uh, if, uh, you know, this rare cancer striking your, your ex-wife at a, at a younger age than it normally did. Has this made you look at any of your own health and risk factors or anything? Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, I went sober. So uh, I, I, and I'm someone who really likes alcohol. I, I love it. I love the way it makes me feel. Um, I know it's been a coping mechanism for mental health in the past, um, but I do like it. I, I'm, like I said, I'm a film fanatic and I, I'm such a freaking child man. It's insane. Like when I was younger, I taught myself to like black coffee 
and whiskey because that's what men drink. That's what John Wayne <laughs> drinks and Humphrey Bogart drinks. And there, there's, a, there's a ritual to it, like to, um, you know, to have like a good whiskey in a glass and, and, and to be watching a movie or I, I, I like that. that and, and that's wrapped up in my personality. Plus it's kind of a personality of like the tortured artist, like the kind of Charles um, Bukowski or kind of like Leonard Cohen. Uh, Tom Waits, you know, there's there's nothing better than, um, particularly, you know, because I, I like writing and things. It's I, I like that image, and and some and it's a comfort blanket for me, and I like going into it. So yeah, it definitely it it made me go sober for um, I think it hit like 120 days straight, and now I drink much 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 less, and I, I'm gradually changing my eating habits as well. And the ideal, like my ideal self would probably be vegan um i'm uh i think i would like to do that one day uh, I, I know I, you know I, I don't know what i mean when i say that because it's like why don't you do it today it's, like, well, it's not gonna happen today <laughs> but i've got more work to do to get there and but the aim would be to be vegan and, and partly I, it's misinformation right i i can't it's so hard to find the truth of things without a ton of research and i don't have um a massive desire to do that yet but i think that once our daughter starts to realize that she's eating animals <laughs> and we're gonna have that conversation i think that might be a time when i address it funny <laughs> well if all the if uh the one thing you just said there the uh, there's nothing better than this image of the tortured alcoholic artist and uh my wish for you is that you realize yeah there could be something better than that. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, and I, I get it. There is, it's, but it's, you know, I'm 42. That, that's a, that's a fair few decades of programming that I, I need to get with, and and I keep seeing more media that supports it. Like I really like the TV show Lucifer, and that guy's got his own nightclub and he's drinking whiskey. Um, it doesn't matter what I watch. There's guys who who are like that, you know. It's it, well, that that's fiction. It's <laughs> not a guy like that. It's fiction. So yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm just a sucker to, to yeah. media manipulation. Yeah, you want to be in a TV show. That's all it means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And it, it, it's funny. It just uh, synchronistically, I haven't had a drink since February. Oh wow! Through no real intent, and I've also I have not had meat since July because oh, wow. someone gives it to me. Oh, should you try? You know, we recommend not eating meat. I'm like, really? And they've both been far easier than I yeah. ever expected. Um, do you find it harder now it's getting colder because i always imagine like uh like when it's cold you want i don't know meat feels warm somehow yeah. like warmer than vegetables no warm. no i get that and it's and so i you know chicken and fish so i'm I, i'm eating a lot of turkey burgers <laughs> but the, the and my weight has gone up from this because i don't know what i'm doing i'm like i don't not knowing what to eat i'm like yeah, yeah. i'm eating donuts and i'm eating crap in place yeah. of meat because I don't know what to do yet. So I have to really okay. dig in again now the, the vegan research and find out or, you know, yeah. And, it, and you know, it, it's, as you know, like you, you, I don't know how true it is, but there's some truth that we're the average of the five people we hang out with. And if I was in a group of people who are kind of vegan or vegetarian, I would happily just like slipstream in behind them. Um, but, but right now I, I don't have the enough desire or time or energy to be like the lead car, to be like the pace car and be working out for myself. But, you know, um, if a vegan but, uh, like restaurant opened up over the road, <laughs> right, I yeah. would if, go there. Yeah, if it's easy to do, it's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Cool. Right. Do you have any insights 
into what it's like for the woman to go through a breast cancer diagnosis and treatment? Oh man, it's always tricky when you're like the guy kind of talking about something that impacts women in that way. But the, from my point of view, it's, I, I think, my, I don't even want to kind of categorize, but I think in this particular situation, it, it's terrifying for any parent to think they might not be around to see their children grow up. And, and that's, and I don't know how people, like the, the insight, the only insight I've got from that is I don't know how people do that. Like the strength they have in, if, um, if they have to deal with their own mortality. And I don't know, I do not know, so I have got no insight on this, whether it's better to know it's going to happen. Or they say, so if it was terminal and you were kind of given a cut, like you have six months to live. I don't know if that's better than it just happening, <laughs> you know? Um, I, yeah, that, that, that idea. Yeah, so even, yeah, it makes me feel sick now. I think the other thing, because it's breast cancer and because our the kind of patriarchy is so set up to like boobs, boobs define everything, cleavage and, and everything, then it becomes about images of beauty and and whether you're female, whether you're a woman, you know, um, she was somebody who's attracted, like hourglass figure. Uh, and you, it's all the little things that you've got to keep, that you don't think about. Like her whole wardrobe is set up for somebody with boobs. Yeah. So now she needs to like change her style, like totally. What's she going to wear? And um, and she's got to clear out everything else. So the only insight really over there is um, it really it it forces you to be aware. I because the other thing I don't know how you can not think about it because like boobs are everywhere. <laughs> it's like in, in there's a thing in movies called called the male gaze, and it's because. This is how sexist stuff is. It's insane. Like when film used to be on 35 mil films, that'd be actually like a physical thing. You would cut up and literally sell a tape together. Like I ran a cinema for a while and we would put the film reels together with like, they called it special seller tape. It was seller tape. It, it was amazing how like just functional it was. And, um, and when editing was done like that, in, when it was first invented in, 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 in like 1910, 1920, whatever, it was women who did it because the men decided it was kind of like knitting. It was like joining fabric together. And then when sound got invented, that was more technical. So men were like, what's going on here? <laughs> we'll take over from this. So because of this, a lot of like, all media has been, like producers, directors, cameramen have always been men. And so the camera, is, you could see it as being a male. So it tends to sexualize women. Um, and always pretty much has done the way women are represented on TV is to be looked at and in films still goes on today, except uh, George going off on the lecture now, but George Miller with like Mad Max doesn't do that. And it's phenomenal. Mm. Um, so the reason I'm saying this is breasts are always accentuated and it's, you know, even like black widow and Avengers, she'll be framed with her boobs in the center of the screen. Mm. So why, 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 why is she framed like this? <laughs> um, so I think as a woman, you're, that's a continuous reminder forevermore. And then you, you have comparisons, right? And, and I, I've never really bought into the impact on guys. Like uh, if I see an image, I don't know, Wolverine looking ripped. Uh, even in the real life, you'll see someone with a six pack. I, I don't see it that often, really. Uh, I think uh, for us guys, there's a lot of um, men who don't have that physique on TV. And also, I know how hard it is to get that. I know how hard like Hugh Jackman works because I don't want to do that. It's like I, my value is not there. 
So I know, again, that was kind of a long answer, but I, yeah, that's where I think it comes down to. I think we're in a society which has a very distinct idea of beauty. Uh, we can be aware of that, but I think she's coming face to face and having to deal with it. Yeah. Um, rather than being a background annoyance, it's now it impacts her sense of identity. And the decision not to do reconstructive surgery. So even reconstructed, reconstructed breasts can, can get cancer? Um, uh, no, I mean, she, that was whether she was going to keep one or, the, um, or get rid of both. She got rid of both. But the reconstruction, uh, the way she said it, she said it wouldn't be me. It would be like this kind of plastic whatever thing okay. stuck on. And, and the way she described it as well, I'm not entirely sure she would have even had like nerve endings, the nerve endings would be. Uh, so she wouldn't even feel anything. Okay. It's like, um, and then, you know, it, so she was just like, there's no point. It, it's, yeah, I'd, also, I'd, ra- why, why? I'd rather be me. That would just, I want to be fully me, not anything else. Yeah, that's yeah. it, exactly. It's like, I want to be fully me. And then it's also, well, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, are you doing that because, you know, is it for other people to look at to make other people feel more comfortable? Or is it about you feeling more comfortable because you need these for your sense of self-worth? And, um, and like I said, it, it, it was fortuitous that our relationship crashed and burned because we both, we were both engaging with counselors, right? So we, she had done a lot of um, work around uh, who she is and her value, uh, as well as, and a full understanding that she's not responsible for other people's emotions, um, which was, you know, as any partner or somebody with depression hopefully learns is they're not responsible for our emotions and, yeah. and the way we respond. Yeah. So that all fed into that decision. Cool. Yeah. I've never, you know, talking about the society and the male gaze and everything. And, yeah. you know, the closest I can attempt to correlate the society's presence of breasts reflecting back to women yeah. Um, is, is men in penis size. That's the only like yes. close obsession. But the world's not full of dicks looking at me everywhere and making me think of mine. And you know, so it's that, really it is. It's the closest I can get, but it's not really close. Exactly right. And we have a thing over that, right? It's yeah. insane. It's uh, uh it, yeah. I don't. I don't know because we barely see them. You're right. And they've only recently kind of started appearing in film. Yeah. kind of like in the last decade maybe and that's still rare like you'll remember the scenes where you saw a penis in film <laughs> like i can remember the outline of ewan mcgregor in train spotting because <laughs> uh, like, yeah, it's, it's rare it's a shock it's like whoa yeah it's like, yeah um and it will never be erect so you'll still ne- not yeah. get an idea of like size or, or anything yeah. um so yeah it's you're right and and but if it's breasts, it's, it's everywhere all the time. Yeah. And I know plenty of uh, celebrities have had breast cancer, have had mastectomies to prevent possible breast cancer even. Was that Angelina Jolie? Yes. That did preemptive surgery? Yes. Um, but I believe they've – like I have not seen a celebrity, anyone out in the news or media that uh, that probably displayed scars, that didn't do a reconstruction, that didn't try to look like everybody else still. Yeah, have, yeah have that's interesting. No, um, not with breast cancer from what I can think of. Um, but it's really empowering when it happens. You know, like with, 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 other, with, with other things. I, I, was just, I was trying to think of Selma Blair, but I can't remember what she... Did she have MS, I think? And she kind of turned up at an event with like a, a cane and she became like a little bit of a hero from talking about that. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that. Incidentally, um, yeah, no, I don't know what I was going to say. But yes, I, I haven't. But I, 
it would be good if we saw more of that. Yeah, that seems to be the big, you know, roadblock. Um, yeah. But, hmm. And that would be badass. That would be, that would be absolutely freaking badass if suddenly you had a cool, like, even, I know it would be fiction, but a cool action movie where the lead character was a female and she'd had like a double mastectomy and she was just taking care of business yeah. or the other way because I, I don't want to kind of make, um immediately make that kind of a, like a warrior archetype model but it would be nice to see more of that just in in film mm. um yeah just a relationship where just the female lead character whatever her role is yeah went through this and made this choice and yeah 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 because yeah, it does yeah, the, so it, it's, I mean, certainly it started with men's infatuation with boobs because men uh, run society and media and it's gone everywhere. But yeah, yeah. like you, you talked about it going back to, to a teenager, but no, it goes back to birth. Like it, it's, yeah, our, totally. it's life, it's life. And then yeah, it's yeah. sexualized. So you've, you've got the biological draw and the, I don't know, the sexualized, sensationalized draw. So yeah, yeah like a yeah. Every, like a map of the man's brain it's like 90 percent boobs and then a beer like yeah exactly exactly we are literally cartoon characters and i hope that uh it's i think you're you're kind of in a quite privileged world in in that we we surround ourselves with men who are becoming more self-aware and certainly question in our programming and so i'm kind of hoping that once people hit you know i'll I'll say their 40s because i worked out in my 40s (laughs) that there's more to life than that and i think that once you've but the thing, well, even I, it's another movie, but the, the movie Nanny McPhee, have you seen Nanny McPhee? No. So Nanny McPhee's kind of like Mary Poppins, except she starts off the movie and she's like, like media ugly. Like she looks more like a crone, like a, like a witch. And as the children that she's kind of babysitting kind of fall in love with her and get to know her, she becomes more and more beautiful. And then at the end of the movie, she kind of goes away. I haven't seen the movie. I'm just aware of it. It's got, um, Emma Thompson in. Yeah, right. and I think I think once you become, you get to a certain age, that's life, right? Like the way you feel about somebody is how beautiful you see them as. I mean, that's that's it. It's it's the most beautiful, and we all know that. We all kind of know it. We just ignore it. Like the amount of times, um, like somebody might have a grandmother at kind of you know eighty five, and they can say, "Oh, she's the most beautiful person I've seen," because it's it's a kind of their spirit or their energy or. Like beauty is, we all as human beings. What I'm trying to say, as human beings, we know that beauty isn't in kind of physicality. We're just being programmed to think that because there's a ton of money to be made from our sadness and us feeling ugly. So it's like, get this and smell attractive. Get this, and your skin will be amazing. Get this because you can't have any hair there. It's like, what? Just selling us crap. And I think with a little, I think there's certainly a growing. If you see my keyhole looking at the universe, there's a growing movement of, of, of men and women who are challenging that. Yeah, to get to get with, I mean, it's authenticity. Yes. Yeah. Totally. In, in, in everything, in how we look, present ourselves, the products we buy. Yeah. yeah. Or our, maybe it's our, it's our goal for authenticity, although it's not everybody's goal either. No, because yeah. it, everything, everything just gets grabbed and, 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 because authenticity is a weird thing because authenticity is just that you're authentic when you're three years old. Mm. So, and authenticity is just being who you are. And yet, and so people kind of dismiss it. Oh, but that's just like, but it's not because we lose, we stop being who we are. Yeah. We, 
we, we, we go to, you know, we get educated. We then hang out with our peers and we've got our parents kind of our families programming. Maybe you get into a romantic relationship and, and that changes who you are. And you might not be aware, but all these compromises happen. And you start to, you might even be watching movies or have hobbies that you don't even like, but you do them because you know, the people at work do it or whatever it is. You lose who you are. And so authenticity is taking that moment and it's not even a moment, it's taking a, great, some, a good amount of time and really working out who you are, what's, where your programming is, and turning under, turning over all the stones and just being honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I say this to, to people in my students, that you're going to be racist or sexist or homophobic. Like, you are. Like, it's there. Hopefully it's not that big on the scale, but if you've been brought up in, in the West watching our media, which is racist, sexist, and homophobic... <laughs> Even if it's through deletion, by just not showing you a range of people who, who don't look like you, or don't, um, you're going to have that. And you've got, to, you've got to be aware of that and challenge it. You know, like, um, well, I live in Cumbria in, in England, so if you've seen Game of Thrones, it's kind of like where Winterfell is, kind of up by the border, by the, with Scotland, it's up by the wall. And, and it's predominantly white. It's, um, there's... Yeah, it's just predominantly white. So when my students are writing film scripts, all the characters are white. They don't even think. They don't believe, oh, what, how, wouldn't it be interesting if we had some more diversity? Because they, they don't see it. So they've got like an inbuilt... And I don't mean they're going like, to be mean or, or they commit a hate crime. I just mean they just... There's just a, a, a blind spot in their mind. Yeah, and they so haven't... Until we've had the experience of the other, whatever yes. that otherness is, yeah, you don't... Everything to go by, yeah. yeah. And some people fear knowing an other, and some people are open to it. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 a lot of that's going to be stereotypes. It's getting better now, and and there's movies that are doing great work on that in terms of all, all kinds of representation. But I think, particularly, you know, at forty, man, it's um, there's there's a lot of damage done from representation, certainly in the eighties. Yeah, definitely in, in the 80s uh, um, and probably still the 90s, but it's getting better. So with the experience you've had this year, um, witnessing your ex-wife, Emily, going through her experience with breast cancer, is there, is there any one or two things that, that you would advise a man whose partner has just been diagnosed with breast cancer? If you, uh, it, this, this is not like a, like a quick, a, a quick fix thing Like you need to be doing some work if you haven't already. And that, and that's, it sucks, but welcome to kind of lifelong learning. Um, so there's a couple of things and it really goes to this leadership style, key on leadership, but it's just been predominantly compassion. Like just have, have like an open heart. So how are you making this room better? And, and you've got to be positive and just look at like, this is going to go away. And I, like, I was really dismissive. Like um, uh, Emily's food, which is very hard, started to go soft. And after she started chemo, she was like, oh, it, it feels like it's going. I said, yeah, of course it's going. Like the divorce is done now. You started chemo. This will be gone by the end of the year. Like with just absolute certainty. Like, uh, like no, like, well, what are we going to do like this? I said, no, it's going. Because like, her feeling that way was going to help it. Um, and then I think also just curiosity that's really helped with, with us because um, I mean I, I, I would do silly like, like magician type stuff so 
Um, as one of my mental health anchors, I have two big wolves that walk with me. And they just like big Game of Thrones diaries, and it makes me feel strong when I and I can I can know when they are, and 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 I'll lick my face, and it's just part of my brain that's manifested them to make me feel confident. So that, what I mean by that is that curiosity, curiosity is you don't know what's going to make someone feel better. So at one point, you know, she wasn't feeling that great, and I was like, do you want me to, do you want me to leave one of my wolves with you? And she doesn't believe in any of this stuff. But what do you think happened when I said that? She smiled and laughed at me. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> And she was like, no, no, it's okay. I don't need one of your walls. <laughs> but her mood is, is heightened. And then just think, you know, who cares? Like, obviously, I'm not going to stop her from having chemotherapy, but I was like thinking about, um, you know, what crystal can I get you that's going to help? Because, because of the placebo effect, right? Like everyone can say, oh, crystals don't work and items aren't enchanted. But the placebo effect is a thing. This idea that something works just because you think it's going to work. So if I give her, um, if I, she did, she started getting kind of bracelets and stuff that I put on her, but like, this is to help you. This is going to keep you calm. This is going to give you strength. Yeah. She's got a Wonder Woman keyring on her, on her key fob because Wonder Woman's strong and it's a, it's a symbol of strength. It's going to make, make her feel better. It's all just magic. That's the curiosity side of it. And then the other part is courage, it's, um, which is the hero's journey, that whole narrative structure that joins all films together. Easiest way of looking at it is like uh, we're in the Shire in Lord of the Rings. We're, we're hobbits in the Shire. We don't want it to leave the Shire. That's the call to adventure because it's scary. It's out of my comfort zone. Like you're not going to want to answer this call. You're not going to want, you're going to wish it wasn't happening. And like any hero in any film, you need to armor up. So whatever you need to, whatever your avatar needs to be, you need to start being that person. And that can be through like clothing you put on that makes you feel strong. Um, that I certainly find that it's what allies are you going to find like on your journey well, who's your Han Solo and Chewbacca and, and Princess Leia like find them like, you're not going to do this alone you're also going to need a mentor um, for sure so I mean that could be the doctors you know, it's not going to be Gandalf but you know it could be doctors it might be like a best friend who's going to help you but the main thing is is you're going to have to find a new support network because your wife isn't going to be there for you because she's going through her stuff like it's now a one-way transaction. It's like all your support is for them. Get your ego out of the way and go find your own stuff. Like if you if you're scared and you you, you want to worry about the worst things or even have an ego, man, be like it's totally not fair. I've, I can't go to that freaking whatever football game because I've got to take her to chemo. It's like that's a dickish thing to say, but it doesn't mean you're not thinking it. Right. So drag that out into the light. Go find some friends where you can break down or be bitter or be selfish and hopefully, and they know it's just around and they can call you on it if you need to. But that would be my main advice. Like step up with courage. The Hero's Journey template is a great template for life. Um, always compassion and, and love because the other great thing about being an ex is she could be quite mean to me and it was just kind of funny. So she'd be like, yeah, you need to go now. <laughs> like <laughs> things she couldn't have said to me as a husband, or she can't yeah. say to like her family. But to me, she's like, "You're being an idiot. Go." And <laughs> um, so, uh, curiosity, compassion, and then like, uh, yeah, encourage. They're the three best it's, guidelines it's, for life. Just funny that you mentioned the kind of the the easiness of because you're divorced. There's kind of permission to discard yeah. each other a little easier. So. Do you think this whole battle with breast cancer, did this flow easier because you were divorced? Would it have been a bigger challenge married? 
Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely. And I think it's because I could, like I was saying at the beginning, I could go in as the, the cavalry. Um, and to a certain extent, on paper, I don't have to be that involved. Like I'm the ex-husband. I don't need to do anything. I am also the co-parent. Um, but so I will have some involvement. But yeah, I think being, um, I think being the ex-help and I think, but I think mainly those discussions and the counseling and everything we had to go through to, to get here. It's, um, it's what really, really helped. Just our ability. We, we just, we, we all, she already knew my kind of darkest side and I probably knew her darkest side. So, um, it was definitely easier. Cool. I think if we were still married, it would, um, it would feel like the cancer was attacking both of us. Whereas, and, and I think it would it'd be easier for one of us to fall to her, I think, but because we were an ex, the cancer was attacking her, and I was just cavalry, like I, I said earlier. That's, that's the best way I can say it, the only way I, I can describe it. Um, uh, and then you just, and everything, it puts everything else in perspective. Yeah. Like, uh, again, oh, when we were married, you didn't do this. It's like, none of that matters. Like, none of it, none of it matters. It's, it, uh, once it gets to life or death, all those little bitterness things kind of, um, um, and actually it becomes now a joke. Like we, we occasionally we've done the too soon jokes where she'll say something about, um, um, uh, okay. okay. She did one recently, maybe not, I can't remember what it was, but it was just like, um, I was, ah, I guess I'll just have to start hanging around women who aren't attracted to me or something like that. And she was like, well, you can hang around me. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, when you when you when you can make jokes and even dark humor jokes about anything, yes. that that really showing that you're healing. I find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. Like, it, um, it probably sped up the healing of of the divorce because um, it, it's like move on to the next thing. You can't be looking backwards anymore. It's, right. It's that that wasn't forward. as emotionally important anymore. Now it was there was a life and death thing ahead of a divorce thing. Exactly. And what a great again, like ego slap. It's like you can like the, one of the stupid things we do as men when we get like discarded is we use words like discarded <laughs> like oh i've been thrown away like and we have this weird thing where it's like oh but they belong to me and and they're not allowed to move on and if i can't have a no one i didn't do any of those things mm-hmm. but i you know they're in the darkest corner of my mind um and then it's just like wow what a privilege that i've still got in my life yeah. uh, and she's like you know I, I, she is my best friend she's you know she's my co-parent and um i, I adore her it uh, didn't work as a marriage, sadly, but with the uh, cancer has certainly put all of all of that in perspective and makes us grateful for what we've got and makes us grateful for the other person. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, cool. I was going to ask about the prognosis for the relationship, but you said it. So, yeah, you feel, uh, a stronger friendship than perhaps you had as husband and wife. Yeah, and I think, I think there's there's so many other if you if you start looking for the positives, so. Like when I was, you know, when I had post depression, I wasn't that, I didn't have that great relationship with our daughter. I mean, she was, you know, first like year or two, but it wasn't great. I was getting, it was getting much better recently, but now because of like chemotherapy, I've had to have her for days on end, which I'd never done before. I probably wouldn't have like immediately volunteered to do. So our relationship has got freaking amazing. Like uh, it used to be that I was clearly number two, that, you know, if I was in the room, it was good, but if Emily turned up, our daughter would want to Emily, and and whereas now it's it's like fifty fifty, like uh, she, um, which is helpful as well because 
right now Emily can't carry her because she's in like, uh, post-surgery. So, um, so we're working on that. But yeah, that, and that's just another small example. Like it made my relationship with my daughter better. And, and maybe that was also an intention thing when, when, when my mind goes to like a dark place, it's like, it might just be you and her mm-hmm. in the future. So how, how are you going to deal with this? You need to, you need to, you need to up your parenting game because uh, there's, there's probably stuff I wasn't doing that I, I needed to step up and do. And look at that, so. so yeah, it's all looking good. She's had the, the mastectomy. She's on, she's got radiotherapy and some targeted therapy and probably on drugs for like 10 years or so. But, uh, yeah it's uh she's yeah she's doing great she's she's strong and funny and mocks me relentlessly (laughs) which is always a good sign (laughs) cool well i i really want to thank you for for sharing your self-described horrible thoughts around this whole thing and please pass on my thanks appreciation to emily for giving her blessing uh for this conversation to be so much about her um yes totally Right. And I do want to make like, uh, I asked if she would want to be here too, but you said, yeah, she's, she is not that visible, does not want that much attention. No, um, I think I, uh, we've had conversations about that as well. Cause she's from that Facebook post, she got a lot of attention yeah. and, and I'm like, you know, people at work are asking about you. She's like, she doesn't get it. She's like, why, why? I'm like, oh, you know, just think you're so strong and so inspirational and she, she doesn't see it. And I'm like, that's kind of why yeah. <laughs> you are. Um, so I think she's realizing that she she's like we're all leaders anyway. Like you have influence on those around you, and I think she's realizing just how much influence she could have yeah. if she shared her story. As as you and I have learned with our stories, that you share you share your pain and and you make the world a better place. It, again, it's like the hero's journey thing. Yeah, you she's go through the call. <laughs> yeah, and you become and by doing the hero's journey, at the end you become the mentor. And your job is to go back and share what you've learned. And I, 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 I can be quite harsh on that. I can be quite uh, in that. I think it's selfish if you go through a battle and you don't share it with other human beings because we can all, we're all going through hell at some point in our lives. And if we can see someone else survive or go through it, it, it makes us feel, it gives us hope. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm pro sharing, sharing our pain. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. A, a, a recent guest uh, in a show that hasn't been released yet uh, said a saying, it's an old saying that I hadn't heard it, but uh, a problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Yeah. Um, and because there's so much shame, people, yeah. people get ashamed of what they're going through or, or and they, I, I've had this like several other times, like one of the things happened earlier in our marriage is we had a miscarriage and I thought they were really, really rare. And I never thought it would happen to us. I thought, oh, that's for people who like drink or smoke. Then it happened. And then once we started talking about it, like people, oh yeah, I've had a miscarriage. Oh, I've had three miscarriages. I said, wait, they're they're that common? No idea. Because we all have our little blind spot, like looking at the universe through a tiny keyhole. And we think that this this is the world. And there's so much stuff we don't know. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, where can people get in touch with you, learn more about you, give you shit for some of your things you've said? Oh, <laughs> God, yeah, that could well happen. I'm on most social media as The Darren Horn, so Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, my website is downhorn.com. Horn has got an E at the end. Other than that, it's just Darren Horn. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh, uh, I want to thank you again. Um, 
I love my conversations with you. You you bring uh, an honesty and and movie metaphors. I think we definitely have set the record for for movie metaphors in this show references. Um, and I lo- I'm a big uh, I, I love movies, so that works for me. Um, but uh, good luck to you in in your own. Hmm, I don't want to say battles. I just in life. Right and and allowing a better picture than uh, the idealism of the alcoholic writer. I wish you a better, <laughs> yeah. a better avatar than that to pursue, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And for everyone listening, um, thank you. Wherever you're finding Real Men Feel, give a subscription, a comment, a like, a share. Tell someone else about the show. Uh, get in touch with me if you want to be on the show. If you've gone something you want to share your story, if you've had a heroic journey and you're ready to become the mentor, step up. And until next time, (laughs) be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.